You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Chris Donald. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. I think Jeffrey could have just keep going. You guys are still smiling. If you don't know what white chocolate is, he's dark chocolate. I'm white chocolate. Now, now, now do you get it? got new in the back. I don't know if that was a good ooh or a bad ooh. I don't know what, but I like it. I like being white chocolate from the three-point line. That's what I like the best. You guys doing well this morning? Um, so a couple things. Our family, we, we, my wife purchased the tickets to move our family home. So on December 1st, she'll be putting the kids. She's so amazing. Her and four babies are going to get on an airplane and fly to Washington. I'm going to get on an airplane and fly to Brazil and then come to Washington. And so we'll be back home in December, and uh, we are very excited. I Have any of you guys seen the Longview Kelso campus? Has anybody seen it? It's pretty exciting to see it, to see the location on 15th Street right there by the Safeway. And we're excited. We're going to come back, and we're going to help continue uh, pioneering um, new believers groups, and we're going to start up outreaches that are going to be weekly and I'll be out on the streets, and I'm going to build an army. That's that's you guys. We're going to build an army, and we're going to win cities for Jesus. Amen. We're going to get Woodland. We're going to get Longview, Kelso. We're going to take La Center, Richfield. We might as well just start an underground church in Portland. Does that just sound like fun? I mean, why not dream, church? So we're excited. We're going to come back and and be home. For those of you that don't know me, I grew up across the railroad tracks. It's right over there. Welcome to my city. It's my city. I was born here, and I was raised here. I've, I've been gone for about three and a half years. I, I did about three years in Texas and then six months in Florida where God added things into my life and took things out of my life, refined me to send me back even more on fire than I left. Amen? And so I'm excited to come home. I want to honor my, my friend, my intern, Johnny. Can you stand up and wave at everybody? This is my, this is the reason why I'm alive. And uh, we're going to be out. We have a table out in the lobby. Many people have been requesting that we bring t-shirts because they see us wear them. And so we've got a few. And just so you know, this is a little bit graphic shirt. Okay. This, this shirt, the picture, that's Jezebel being thrown down off the wall. And that's that's Jehu in the chariot. And then that's the dogs that ate Jezebel running down below where it says zeal like Jehu. Wow, you, I didn't get the response that I thought I was going to get. Then there's a scripture that wraps around the picture that's where Jehu says, get in my chariot and I will show you my zeal for the Lord. Elijah confronted Jezebel or Jezebel and ran. Jehu confronted Jezebel and took a stand. And in this generation, we're going to confront that demonic, wicked spirit by standing. And we need Jehus to rise up, anointed by God, to slay Jezebel. If you don't like what I'm saying, then don't read 1 and 2 Kings because it's in the Bible. There's also places where women drove stakes through the temples of kings. Am I the only one that reads the Old Testament in this church? I like it. I mean, they could make some movies that would be like PG-13 or, or, or crazier out of the Bible. But if you wear this shirt, you're making a statement, but we've only got a few left, so we'll be out there. And if you want to know more about 33rd Company and what we do, we'd love to share that with you. Why the name? Everybody's like, why 33rd Company? At age 33, Jesus went all in. Did he not? To fulfill the ultimate promise. So we're going to take it going to take the baton out of his hand and the book of acts records 33 years of church history so we're taking the baton and the book of acts is the only book in the bible that has no amen right so we're continuing we are not trying to get back to the book of acts we're trying to go ahead of the book of acts because that is the church's starting point that's why we named it 33rd company we like the number 33 and it's a good conversation starter. And, and what our vision is, and we can share out there with you as well, we exist to equip everyday believers, not super saints, just everyday believers, 
to win the lost and to disciple people daily. It's not an event, it's a lifestyle. And so we want to raise up full-time Christians that will change the world. We've been in Florida for a little over three months. Uh, This last Thursday, 17 people went out on the streets at 10.30 a.m. We saw four salvations. That night we had four water baptisms, people getting filled with the Holy Spirit, people getting saved that have never been saved and know nothing about the Bible. Like, I'm like, this is the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. This is the book of John. This is who John was. And so we're seeing people encounter God, get radically set free, and be discipled. Amen? Isn't that exciting? So come out there and see us. And if you want one of these crazy shirts, we'll sell one to you. Does that sound good? All right. So who heard my message last month when I was here? Are you wise? Okay, I see some hands. Um, So this is part two of that message. And so if you've not heard that message, I want to encourage you to go check out the podcast or go on to YouTube and watch that message. You don't need that message to understand this one. They're kind of standalone, but this is part two of kind of continuing the thought of, are you wise? The title of this message, if you're taking notes, would be Seek God. Seek God. Amen? Pretty, this is going to be a pretty simple concept this morning, um, and I hope when you leave here that you feel inspired, encouraged, challenged, and convicted all in the same time to seek God. This is a time to seek the Lord. There's, there's a man that got born again about a month ago. He was an agnostic. We went to his house. He got saved. He went from his house to our new believers group that night, wanted to get water baptized, came out of the water speaking in tongues, and he's been meeting with us for about a month and a half now, really learning the things of God. And we, we believe in relationship. Like, for us, discipleship is family. It's not a program, and so we don't just meet together in church settings. So we're playing basketball with him, and he looked at me and he said, I need to seek God. A month ago, month and a half ago, no grid for Christianity. But as we're playing basketball, he said, I need to know God in this season. And the world right now is shaking. Right? Watch the news for a moment. It's not just our nation. It's every nation, every tribe, every tongue. It's it's being shaken right now. And, and, And the world, people that don't normally seek God are beginning to seek God. But... The house of God needs to seek him, amen? So before we get into the message this morning, I want to tell you what that means. What what does it mean to seek God? Because we're going to talk about that this morning, and you may have a grid that seeking God is putting on the fish in the car. Do they still have that station? Where they're playing songs from 35 years ago. Gosh, could they please get new songs? And when you feel ready, you can die out for me. But I love you, man. Don't you guys love Kaylin? Isn't he awesome? If he keeps playing, I'm going to stay nice the whole time and happy. Maybe you should keep playing. No, I'm joking. So, help me, where was I at? The fish. That's all I needed was the fish. So a lot of times... When people think seeking God, they think, I'm going to put on a radio station while I'm driving, and I'm going to throw up some prayers to God and hopefully get lucky. As if God is a genie in a bottle, and you might just roll the dice the right way. And I want to to start this morning by defining what seeking God is, so that when we preach through this, you're not confused thinking that if you turn on the radio station and throw up a few prayers that you're seeking God. Okay? Like, I, I just want to be real. I want you to understand that worship is not just singing songs. Worship is a life laid down to King Jesus. I know a lot of people that sing songs and they're empty confessions. They love him with their lips, but their heart is far from them. So even if you listen to a song and it moves you, that doesn't mean that you're worshiping God. 
Music will move you. And, and in our culture today, worship has become defined as a song. And so a new song comes out and we're like, yeah, we listen to that song and it moves us for a moment. We get excited and then we don't really become transformed. So worship and singing songs is important and it's biblical. And, and of course, we sing songs, but a singing of a song does not make you a worshiper. It can actually just make you a hypocrite. Okay, you guys ready? We're going to go for it. The Lord's going to throw fastballs, and I'm just going to just keep popping them out of the park. Because we need to seek God. I don't need you to leave here today going, man, I like that guy. I feel so encouraged. I need you to leave here today going, ouch, I need to change and seek God. Because what I'm preparing you for is for when you stand before him. Because when you stand before him, I won't be there. Your saved wife won't be there. Your saved husband won't be there. Your saved kids won't be there. It'll be you and him. And if you have not sought him now. Okay, so we're going to get into some, some scripture here in a moment. But I want to define for you what seeking God is. In Romans 12, verse 1, he says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to sing songs daily. It's not what it says. It doesn't say that. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Ouch! Living sacrifice. Right? This is what the word of God defines. It says this, holy and acceptable to God. Meaning there are things that are not holy and things that are not acceptable to God. Right? We want to do what God says. So holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. If you're conforming, Stop. If you're bending your knee to Baal, stop. If you're worshiping idols, get rid of them. We need to seek God in this season because, guys, I don't know if you've been, like, if your eyes are wide open like mine, but it's getting crazy out there. It's getting crazy. And we need God in this season. We need God in the good seasons and in the bad seasons. But we need him in this season. Men, you need to seek God. You are the king and the priest of your home. Get up before your family gets up. Seek God. Set an atmosphere of heaven in your house. So that when your wife wakes up, she wakes up into the presence of God. Set the table for your children when they wake up. Men, it's time to lead. We're kings, we're priests. We lead, amen? Ladies have been leading well. Mamas have been seeking God, but men, it is time. Get rid of the idols. Remove the things in your life that take all of your affection and attention and put your eyes on Jesus. This is what seeking God is. Says this, be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God does not ask you for perfection. He asks you for holiness. To be holy and to be set apart. That's what he asks you for. He's not asking you for perfection, but he's asking you to seek him. And if you seek him, you will become like him. Because what you behold, you will become. It's true. What you behold, you will become. We talked last time that I was here. We said that Jesus wants you to be wise. And we said, how do you know if you're wise? And I gave four examples of what it means to be a wise servant or, or child of God. And then we talked about how you can grow in strength and become wise. And we talked about how, how when I grew up, 
it was, man, I hope I'm serving God when he comes. As if it was lucky or unlucky. Remember me talking about that? I remember I lived in that tension of, man, I hope I'm serving him when he comes. And, And we determined last time I spoke that if we're living lucky or unlucky, we're foolish. Right? We can be in confidence when he comes. We can know that we're serving him. We do not have to have doubt. And those four things quickly are, you are a confessing Christian. I'm not saying that you're witnessing to everybody that moves. I'm saying that when people see your life, they see Jesus. Okay, number two was you hunger for the things of God. When you get naturally sick, you lose your appetite. If you are not hungry for God today, you are sick in the spirit and God needs to heal you. So you can get your hunger back. If you're not hungry for God today, you need to say, God, make me hungry. Amen. The fruit of the spirit is evident in your life. What does that mean? When the when the testings of life come, the fruit of the spirit is a result of that. We have a funny thing we say when somebody cuts us up on the road or we're standing in a long line. Johnny and I looked at look at each other and say, it's a fruit tester. This is testing my fruit right now. Be blessed in Jesus name. But remember that Christianity is not a bite your lip religion. It's not, "Mm, I want to give them a piece of my mind, but I'm a Christian. No, your heart is changed. You are transformed by the power of God and the fruit of the spirit actually comes out of you naturally. Means you're not mean. It means that you're not a gossip. It means that you believe the best in people. It means that you bear long with people. It means that is your first choice. Come on. It transforms you. We are to be sanctified, to be sanctified. It's, your spirit is born again and Christ comes and lives in you. Now we're living from the inside out. Meaning your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions need to be sanctified. Your mind is renewed. If your mind is renewed, then you'll submit your will. And if your will is submitted to God, your emotions will change. That's the gospel. It's not God putting a bandage and bandaid on you and getting you through. God makes you brand new, gives you a new heart, a new spirit, and he transforms you. But if you're living in the world, you will manifest the world. But if you're living in Christ, you will manifest Christ. Amen. Read Galatians. I hope you're ready. I'm going to preach today. You guys doing all right? Okay, good. Yeah, this is fun. I'm having a good time. I feel like I got my preaching voice and everything. It's like, let's go. All right, here we go. The secret place, oh wait, sorry, the fruit of the Spirit, number four is, you are salt and light to those around you. That doesn't mean that you're witnessing everywhere you go, which by the way, we don't do witnessing, we are witnesses, right? You are a witness, meaning whether you know it or not, if you're a lukewarm, backslidden Christian, you are witnessing what a lukewarm, backslidden Christian is. You are witnessing whether you want to or not. So it's not that I don't want to go witnessing today. You are witnessing. Let's be a witness of salt which preserves and light which reveals. And it says that the God of this age, it has covered the eyes of the people out there. Lest the light of the gospel of God shine on them. You are the light of the world now. So as you go out with the fruit of the spirit as a witness of Christ, people's lives are transformed. The secret place, the secret place. We talk a lot about the secret place. The secret place is the time where you spend with Jesus. That can be five minutes or two hours. God does not think in time. He thinks in connection. He thinks in connection. Are you connecting with God? That could be a five-minute connection. That could be a 30-minute connection. That could be meaning where you are set aside in the secret place meeting with God. We're going to get back to that in a moment. We're going to read at the end of this message, Matthew 6, verse 6, where it says, but when you pray, but when you pray, 
some Christians don't pray out of ignorance or immaturity, but most Christians don't pray out of disobedience. That was perfect timing back there. Thank you for that amen in the sound booth. Did you hear that? Listen, most Christians, most don't meet with God out of disobedience. Some, Im- some immaturity, some ignorance, not knowing any better. But if you've been saved and come into this church for a year, you know you need to meet with God. And it's not that you're not getting around to it anymore. It's that you're just simply disobedient. I know this is going to come in with a smile. See, I'm smiling. See it? It's a really good smile. But I, I need you to understand that God chastens the ones he loves. And so he's coming with a little bit of chastening this morning to wake you up to save your soul. Because as we talked about the ten virgins, right? There were five wise and five foolish. If you're not seeking God and meeting with God, you are foolish. And when he comes, you will not be ready. The most loving thing I can do today is preach this message to you and tell you to get ready. It's the most loving thing I could do. I could come in here and tell you a hundred stories that would impress you for what? For you to leave and say, wow, that guy's cool. Who cares about me? I'm not going to be there with you in the end. It's you and him. And I hope that this message so brings the fear of the Lord on your life that when you wake up in the morning, it's hovering over you. It's just hovering over you and you have a thought in your head. I need to meet with God. So many people say, Pastor Chris, you shouldn't preach this way. It's a little bit legalistic. Well, let me say it this way. The other kind of preaching hasn't changed you. The other kind of preaching hasn't got you in the secret place. The other kind of preaching hasn't provoked you. The love and the, oh, Jesus loves you hasn't done it. So he sets a young guy on fire from across the railroad tracks. He raises him up to come in to provoke you because I love you. To say, this is the word of God. And believer, if you are not meeting with him, you are living in disobedience. And the result of your disobedience is pride. Are you guys ready? We're going to look at a great story today. Now I'm going to smile again. I have little cues in my notes that say smile. My heart is smiling the whole time. Whether you believe it or not, it is. And when I don't preach, like when I'm not up here, I'm like the most laid back, chill dude on the planet. But then I get here and it just comes out. It's like, I'm a lion half the time. I mean, a lamb half the time, and then when I get up here, I'm a lion. That's how we're supposed to be, right? Jesus is a lion, and he's a lamb. Amen? Okay, 2 Chronicles. That's right. Here we go. 2 Chronicles, chapter 26. We're going to look at King Uzziah. You guys ready? You guys are like, 2 Chronicles? This guy is white chocolate. We're going Old Testament right now. We're going to go a little bit T.D. Jakes on you guys this morning. Is that okay? Now, I love what T.D. Jake says. He can say it because he's older than me and he, they call him the bishop. I can't say it. So I'm going to quote what he says, but I really wish I could say it, but I'm just not old enough to say it yet. This is what he would say if he was preaching this. He'd say, we're going to read the whole chapter. This is more than most of you guys have read all month. So bear with me. It's really funny when he says that I can't say that, though, because that would just be really not okay, even though I thought about it. But um, thank you, T.D. Jakes, for saying it so I could quote it. Amen? One person thought that was really funny in the back. See me afterwards. I want to give you a hug. Okay. King Uzziah, chapter 26, and all the people of Judea, of Judah, sorry, took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah. For those of you that want to know, I'm reading out of the ESV, or it's behind me as well. After the king slept with his fathers, Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jochlel 
of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all his father Amaziah had done. We're going to come back to verse 5. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Come on, we're going we're gonna to dive back into this in a moment, but underline that, highlight it, like whatever you can do. We're going to come back to that scripture, make it stand out. Verse 6 says this, He went out and made war against the Philistines and broke through the wall of Gath and the wall of Jebna and the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities in the territory of Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal and against the Meonites, the Ammonites, paid tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt. For he became very strong. Say very strong. Now verse 9. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the angle and fortified them. And he built towers in the wilderness and cut out many cisterns. For he had large herds both in the Shephelah and in the plain. And he had farmers and vine dressers in the hills and in the fertile lands. For he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of soldiers fit for war and divisions according to the numbers in the muster made by Jael, the secretary, and Messiah, the officer, under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's commanders. The whole number of the heads of fathers' houses of mighty men of valor was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 who could make war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem, he made machines, say machines, invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones, and his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. And we're going to come back to this in a moment. I want to highlight verse 15 for a moment. And this, this is a message that I'll probably preach at a pastor's gathering or with church leaders. But ministry can become a machine. So the Lord can bless the house, right? And bless you with skillful people that have the gift of admin, and you can build a beautiful thing and actually put your faith in the machine and not in God. And I'm telling you, in this season, this is a prophecy for the church at large, God is calling the church to repent from pride and trusting in the machines and the mechanics of religion and calling them back to God. That's what he's doing. And if they don't come back, he's going to remove them. Let, let me say it this way. God doesn't need you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he doesn't need you. We're going to see this in a moment in scripture. That God wants to use you to build his kingdom, but he would rather save your soul. Did you hear me? So I'm not preaching to church leaders, so we're going to move on. But, but I'm telling you, we're in a season where God is going to replace Saul's and place David's. We're in a season where God is looking for men and women of God that will follow his heart. Amen. And not some cleverly devised plan. God anoints a man and not a plan. Come on, somebody. Plans are great, but if God's not in them, I don't want to be a part of it. Uzziah's pride and punishment. Yes, the Lord punishes. If you don't like that, I'm sorry. You're probably prideful. God chastens the ones that he loves. He chastens them. It's, we're reading a book right now, Aaron and I. It's called The Chastening of the Lord, The, Un, the Forgotten Doctrine. 
God is a loving father. Everything he does is good. Everything he does is just. But there are times where we need a spanking. Can I hear an amen? amen. I spank my kids. That's why they're good. It's true. I do. That's why when I say, hey, kids, come over here and do this, they do it. I don't count to three because my kids obey my voice, not the number three. One, two, three. Do you want your kids to listen to the number three or to the voice of God? You're training them in the ways of God. Well, I don't like that. I, well, it's the Bible. We need to renew our minds. We need to seek God. And we need to do things God, God's way. Do people do things in God's way, in a wrong way? Absolutely. I can't even remember the last time I spanked my children. But I did. At one point, God is the same way. He loves us and he will, he will both rebuke you and he will both chasten you. A rebuke is a verbal communication. If you don't listen to the rebuke, there is a nonverbal communication coming. You don't want the nonverbal communication from the Lord. All right, here we go, moving on. But when he was strong, he grew proud. By the way, the spanking thing wasn't in the notes. That was just free of charge. Talk to Jonathan about it. He'll agree. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. So, so, Oftentimes, the Lord will rebuke you by a peer, a leader, a parent, or a friend. Okay, so if somebody comes to you and warns you, so in this moment, right, the, the priest is saying, don't do this, the Lord is against this. And he could have backed out and been fine. But he did not heed the rebuke. So now chastening is coming. Okay, are you guys ready? It's right here in the scripture. He was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead. In the presence of the priest in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest and all the priests looked at him and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly. And he himself hurried to go out because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And being a leper, lived in a separate house. For he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's household, governing the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, from the first to the last, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, wrote, And Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the burial field that belonged to the kings. For they said, He is a leper. And Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. Three things we're going to take from Second Chronicles 26 is this. Number one is seek God. Seek God. He set himself to seek God. That's 2 Chronicles 26, verse 5. He set himself to seek God. The contrasting scriptures in 2 Chronicles 26, verse 16. But when he was strong. But when he was strong. How many of us, when we were weak, when we were humbled, when we were in a place of need, we've reached out to God. 
But then when we begin to get healthy and strong and, and God begins to bless us and put favor on us, we get proud. Right? I, I can tell you in my own experience, this is true. This man started good and ended not good. Any of us can start great, but it's how you end that matters. So I almost want to read this scripture daily to remind myself to stay far away from pride. I need to seek God whether I'm in the best of seasons or in the not so good seasons. I need to seek his face. As a believer, seeking God is not optional. It's not optional. Men, many of you are going to seek the Seattle Seahawks this afternoon. And that's great. I want to watch the game as well. Right? I played the way that Pastor Jonathan and I got ready to preach today was we played three games of NBA 2K22 last night after eating Mexican food and fajitas. It was great. So I'm not telling you not to watch the football game, but I'm saying if you haven't met with God today, you may want to take 10 minutes to seek his face before three hours being absorbed in a television screen. I want you to not hear what I'm like, not saying, I'm not saying don't have fun and live life. I'm saying seek God and live life. Amen. But if you, if you don't seek God, you may want to look to remove some things in this season so you can seek him and get your priorities straight. If you don't seek God as a believer, you are saying that you can do life on your own and in your own strength. If you do not daily seek God, you are by default saying, I got this. So if I, if I wake up later than normal, my family will send me into the prayer room for 10 or 15 minutes to pray because the Donald house can't start unless dad prays. It won't be a good day. The presence of God in your life is not optional. And we've already said this, but for some Christians, not seeking God may be ignorance or immaturity, but for most, it's disobedience. You can find time. You can find time. It's as simple as making it. If I told you today that if you sought God for 15 minutes a day for two years and not missed a day, and I'd pay you $2 million, you would do it. Why? Because you actually think that $2 million is better than the presence of God. It's true. You'd be like, I'd do that in a second. Two million bucks, man, I could change the world with that. I could buy a new car. And lose your soul. Come on for a minute. Right? In this room, there would not be one person in this room that would miss 15 minutes a day for $2 million. David says, oh, your presence and your words are better than gold. He actually knew that God was better than natural money. Do we believe that? We don't. Because if we did, our lives would look different. We need to have our minds renewed. We need to seek God in this season. Okay, it says this in Matthew 5, verse 6. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. In James 4, 6, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. God opposes or God resists the proud. It's the same word as resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So if you have pride in your life and you are proud, then God is resisting you. That's strong. Why does he resist you? Because he loves you. And he wants you to come to the end of yourself so you can become to the beginning of him. Because when you hit rock bottom, you hit the rock. So he resists you in his goodness. That's why it says in Romans 1 that he turns them over to their desires. Why does it say that? 
Because he's not a controlling God. He's not a, he's not a dictator in heaven. He says, you try it and you will understand that you will not be satisfied and you will turn to me. This is why the Bible says that if there's a believer among us that's living in sin, to remove them from the body. Why? So they can come to their senses. It says actually give them over to the devil for the destruction of their flesh. This is strong, but this is the Bible. Why? Because your soul matters more than me just being nice to you. Are we going to live by the word of God? Or are we just going to try to make it through life? Number two is this, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. The absence of the true fear of the Lord in your life will always lead to pride. This is what we see in this story. It says this, and he set himself to seek God. This is 2 Chronicles 26, verse 5. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. He feared God, the contrasting scripture, 2 Chronicles 26, verse 16. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. And when he was proud, for he was unfaithful to the Lord, this God, unfaithful to the Lord, his God, and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Okay, this is interesting. He is the only king that I can see that got in trouble for pursuing God. Now, now we don't know necessarily why he did it, but there were all the other kings that were setting up high places and worshiping other gods. And he thought, well, if they can worship false gods, surely I can worship the one true God. But God has a law. We can come boldly to the throne of grace, but not recklessly. There is a process in which we come to God. You can come boldly, but you can't come recklessly. You can't. It's laid out in scripture. We have got to know the fear of the Lord. The, the contrasting scripture said he grew proud to his destruction. Now, Matthew Henry is a, is a Bible, he writes Bible commentaries. He's an old Bible commentary writer. And it says, he says this. He was not content with the honors God had put upon him, but would usurp those that were forbidden him like our first parents. Think about Adam and Eve. You can do all these, eat of all these trees, not that one. King Uzziah, you can do all of these things, not that one. It's just like Adam and Eve. They fell, Lucifer fell to pride, Right? Adam and Eve fell because of pride. And now King Uzziah is falling because of pride. He became casual in the presence of God. He became prideful. He looked at all of his blessings and all of his success and he thought, surely God's with me. But was God with him? The rebuke comes and he says, get away from me. He actually, I believe, threatened to kill the priests in that moment. Proverbs 16, verse 18 said, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's important that you submit yourself to healthy leaders, peers, and parents. It's important. Why? Because in the years of Zechariah, the prophet, he feared the Lord. When he had accountability, he feared God. You need accountability in your life. Kids, youth, young adults, that's parents. People, uh, uh, older people, that's, that's peers, that's it's the young adult people that you're running with or the different small group people when they come to you and they say, I just feel like something's not right in your life. Like my accountability partners, their names are Aaron, Jonathan, Casey, and their wives. And they don't hold back any punches. They tell Chris what they see 
and it has made me the man of God that I am today. So if you have an issue with people speaking to you truth in love, then you are prideful. And if you have a hard time as a believer coming under healthy pastoral guidance and leadership, you're prideful. It's true. I didn't say unhealthy. There is a lot of really unhealthy leaders out there. Controlling, manipulating, all those different things. I'm talking about healthy leaders that are actually looking to serve you. And you young people that are looking to go into ministry, that are gifted from God, God will take a humble servant over an entitled brat any day. So what God will do is he will take the most gifted individual and he will make you submit to not as gifted of an individual. So you have to humble yourself. Covering is for you to have the pride removed out of your life. That's why you come under covering. It's a protection of pride in your life. It's accountability. Amen. We got too many entitled brats running around in the name of God. Offering up strange fire, carrying the ark wrong, and entering the presence of God wrong. And we need to fear the Lord and do it the way that he says to do it. Likewise, 1 Peter 5, 5 says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be, su- be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. This is safeguarding you for, for, for not going into pride. We have an eldership team, and the elders have come to me and talked with me and shared things with me, and I fear them a little bit in my life. I mean, they're very nice, but you better believe that when I'm preaching in the back of my head, I'm thinking, they're here right now, they're listening to me, they're going to tell me if something's off. So we need to submit ourselves to healthy leaders, healthy parents, and healthy peers. We must have a healthy fear of the Lord. King Uzziah got in trouble for pursuing God. What I want you to understand is that many are doing things in the name of God, thinking that they are serving him and actually living in pride and sin. Just because you are so-called successful, gifted, popular, and even happy doesn't mean that you're honoring God with your life. Right? It's just like if you have, if you have a business that's, that's doing well, that doesn't mean you're honoring God with your life. It, that's not like, yep, you're honoring God with your life. We know because you're successful that you're honoring God. It's not true. Just like if I'm casting out demons and healing the sick and seeing people one to the Lord, that doesn't mean that I'm honoring God with my life. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. What says that you're honoring God with your life is the fruit of the Spirit in your life. That's what it is. And if we're not careful, we think, I'm blessed. Come on, I'm happy. I'm popular. We got this thing. You're in trouble. If we begin to think that way, if, if, just because you see a person healed doesn't mean that God blesses you. If you pray for somebody that's sick and they get healed and you're sleeping with your girlfriend. Right? But I actually had somebody come to me one time and said, hey, I prayed for somebody and they got healed. God must think I'm doing really good. Whoa. Whoa. Slow down. No, no, no. Do you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Do you have character? Are you serving God? Are you honoring God? Are you laying your life down to God? That's what tells us if we're in a good place. We need to have the fear of God in our life. Just because you're successful, gifted, popular, even happy, doesn't mean that you're honoring God with your life. Right? There is ways through reading the word that we can tell if we are truly honoring the Lord. Number three is this, true prosperity. True prosperity. Are you seeking popularity, opportunities, prosperity, blessings, titles, 
praises of men or are you seeking God? There's, there's a fine line on those things. But are you seeking popularity, op- opportunities, prosperity, blessing, titles, praises of men? I'm not talking in the context of the church. I'm talking about the workplace. I'm talking about your Instagram account. I'm talking, I'm talking about your life. What are you seeking in your life? There is such a pursuit of fame and riches and popularity and, and keeping up with the Joneses. It's disgusting. And so we seek after these things and we don't seek after God. But in this season, we need not lay up treasures on earth, but in heaven. How do you lay up treasures in heaven? You seek heaven. Amen. Are you guys doing okay? I know this is really intense. It's like, I fly in here, I'm like, so happy to be here, and then it's like, Hah! it's sharp. The word of God is sharp. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit. Right now I'm coming and I'm cutting. So you can see what the motivation of your heart is. Because if the motivation of your heart is off, your whole life is off. God judges by the heart. Amen. And I have been fooled too many times by gifted individuals and people that had success thinking truly God must be on their life only to discover that he wasn't. It was a form of religion, void the very power of God therein. We need to seek God. Said God made him prosper, 2 Chronicles 26.5. God made him prosper. The contrasting scripture, 2 Chronicles 26. Verse 19 says, Then Uzziah was angry, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest in the house. Skip down here to the bottom, and it says, And they rushed him out quickly. And he himself hurried to go out because the Lord had struck him. Matthew Henry says this, his punishment was an incurable leprosy which rose up in his forehead while he was contending with the priests. If he had submitted to the priests and acknowledged his error and gone back, all would have been well. But when he was wroth with the priests, he fell foul upon them. And God was wroth with him and smote him with a plague, leprosy. Josephus says that he threatened the priests with death if they opposed him. And that then the earth shook and the roof of the temple opened. And through the cleft, a beam of sun darted directly upon the king's face. Wherein immediately the leprosy appeared. And some conjecture. That was the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, which was read of Amos 1.1 and Zechariah 14, verse 5. So in two different Old Testament books, they said there's an earthquake in the days of Uzziah. And many Old Testament scholars believe it was when he went to the temple to offer incense when he shouldn't. I'm telling you, promised church, that you're living in the season of rebuke. And this is the grace of God. But we are going to move into a season of chastening. Heed the rebuke. Seek God. I'm going to say it again. We are in a season of rebuke, correction, of realignment, of seeking God. Heed the rebuke. Heed it. If you do not heed it, God loves you enough. He loves you enough to humble you. And that will not be a humbling with words. That will be a humbling in this season that is a crushing. It's a pressing. Seek God. When you wake up in the morning, it was was funny. When I was at LCU, I one time preached a message and it was, wake up. 
wake up church and they took that and they made that their morning alarm so many students had their alarm with me saying wake up wake up heed the rebuke of the Lord it woke them up maybe you need to do that you need to make a change in your life because I am convinced if we took a poll in this room not many are seeking God I can feel it in my spirit. There are some, but not many. And I pray to God that the fear of the Lord will fall on you and you listen to this rebuke from Jesus and you change not in a week from now, but today. That you go home and you seek him today. What if he comes back tomorrow? Well, this is that turn or burn, that doom and gloom. No, guys, listen, he's coming back. Read the Bible. What if he comes back tomorrow? Are you ready? Are you wise? Are you seeking God? Are you storing up oil? Or are you just floating through in your success and popularity, thinking that you're honoring God, but all the while living in pride? King Uzziah, in the name of God, sin we're moving into a season where we as preachers don't get to pick the sermon messages that we're going to preach God is giving us messages to preach that will get you ready for his coming it's not going to be any more let's let's talk about this that's a good idea no let's read the word of God and allow it to bring conviction It was God's grace that he was removed. He had plenty of time to repent before his death. It was God's grace. We're almost done. We're we're gonna sing a song and I, I just, as we sing this song, I want you to ask God, God, help me to be hungry for you. And I wanna say this, that discipline leads to freedom. So you will have to discipline yourself in the things of God, and discipline will lead to freedom, but then discipline will turn into delight. For five years, I woke up at 5 a.m. to seek God. From five to seven, I would sit there. I would set my face on heaven. I would force myself to get out of bed. And now I just wake up. Here we go. I actually get ready for it at night. Get my coffee ready. Get my Bible ready. I'm like, I'm having a date with God in the morning. This is going to be awesome. God's going to speak to me. He's going to meet with me. He's going to bless me. But it's going to start with discipline. It's going to be hard. But nothing good ever comes easy. So it was God's grace that removed him from service. So he could sit alone and get right with God. Just like when it comes out that a celebrity or somebody falls in media and everybody's like, oh man, I can't believe that that person did that. That's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that sin finds you out. So you have time to repent. Right? So, so when uh, the guy, uh, the, uh, what's his name? Bill Cosby, when it came out about Bill Cosby, that he did all these things and the world and the church is just nailing him. I said, God, thank you. Thank you. That's your grace. That's your grace. Save his soul. Save his soul. Carl Lentz. Thank you, God. That's your grace. That's your grace, God. Save his soul. Put Carl Lentz off to the side. Set him aside so he'll be in heaven. God doesn't need you. He loves you enough. To remove you. So we can have you. Amen. Amen. God desires your soul saved more than he desires your Christian service. End with this scripture. Matthew 6, 33. Will you guys stand with me? Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It doesn't just say seek God. See, in that, in, in, in the context of 2 Chronicles 26, he was seeking God, but not from a place of righteousness. There's a right way to seek him. We can come boldly, not recklessly. If your life is a mess right now, 
seek God in his righteousness. It doesn't have to be that way. Maybe you look at me and you think, well, you're just blessed. You just came out of the womb blessed. God just blessed you, Chris. No, he didn't just bless me. I have sought the Lord. I have obeyed God. I have gone after him with all diligence and I pressed in. So when you see my wife and I holding hands and our marriage is strong, that's not by chance. That's because I have sought the Lord. When you see my little babies and they're cute and adorable and well-behaved, that's not by chance. I have sought the Lord. When you see my house that I'm going to build on the hill, that's because I've sought the Lord. When you see my van, when I come rolling into Woodland, and many of you guys are going to drive in it, ride in it, and you see it, and it was given to me, that's because I sought the Lord. When you see me blessed when the world is in chaos, that's because I've sought the Lord. And you can seek God and God can bless you, but you have to repent. You have to change because what you're doing now is not working. Seek God. Seek Him. Seek God. Run after Him, men. He could come tomorrow. Are you ready? Just close your eyes for a moment. Ben, can you please begin to play? If you know, I, I, don't, I don't like altar calls anymore. But if you know that you need to come to the altar and seek him, I want you to get out of your seat and come up here and seek him. We'll pray for you. I don't like altar calls anymore because they can just be emotionalism. And then we leave unchanged. We come to the altar and we leave without Jesus. But if you're here and you know that you need to repent for not seeking God, get up here. Get out of your seat. The only thing that's keeping you in your seat is your pride. Leave the pride. Come to the altar and seek God. I'm going to pray and then Nathaniel will come up and close. Come on, man. Give me a high five. Johnny, come, come lay hands on him. Can some people come here? Ministry team, come lay hands here. I love you, Promise Church. I'm so excited to come home and to seek God with you weekly and monthly. I pray in Jesus' name that the fear of God would fall on every heart listening this morning. God, I pray by your grace and by your presence that you would empower your people that you would fall upon your people and that tomorrow morning they would wake up and they would live in obedience and not disobedience. God, I pray that something would shift and something would change in the hearts of the people of God. Come Holy Spirit and do what only you can do. We repent, Lord, for seeking after other things and we turn to you. We repent of our sins. We turn to God and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, Promise Church, I ask that if you're able to raise your hands and let's take a couple minutes and worship Jesus. Jesus. Come on, let's sing this out. Oh, the
Yes, our God. 